One Advent season, I found myself trapped in the corner of the produce section. A young couple with two shopping carts and an unhappy toddler had cut off all avenues of my escape as they bickered over whose job it was to address the boys' ranting. It had started out calmly enough. Dad offered that it was Mom's turn, and he helpfully suggested she might want to pick up their son. Mom responded firmly that she had been handling this young man long before they decided to go to the store, and what little David needed most was more attention from his father. Dad was unhappy, but Mom had played the right guilt card, Dad addressed himself to little screaming David and authoritatively told him to be quiet. Unfortunately, Mom couldn't resist cutting in and to say that that was no way to handle the situation, to which Dad responded that she could have done it from the beginning. He didn't need her parenting advice, thank you. And Mom evidently thought otherwise. Well, tempers were on a hair trigger. So in just a few seconds, they began to say things to one another they were going to regret later. Hateful things, spiteful things, dangerous things. And soon little David joined the fray by bellowing his own unhappiness. All in all, a very ugly scene erupted as I considered the status of several overripe tomatoes. I finally made my escape during a lull in their raging and pushed through the barricade of carts. Their arguing continued. Periodically, I heard them as I trolled the aisles. But but then I witnessed something unexpected by frozen foods. Dad stopped dead in his tracks and said to his spouse, Look, This is crazy. Look at us. We're in the grocery store, for God's sake. Let's just stop and take a breath. And they stood staring at each other. Little David brought to a startled silence. And after a moment, Dad resumed, saying something like, I'm sorry, babe. Really sorry. Let's not do this. Let's start over. Let's pretend we just entered the store. Mom inhaled a deep breath, holding it for a long moment. I could tell she was deciding something. And then exhaled, I'm sorry too. They embraced little David in between. Now, given the time of year, it occurred to me that I had just witnessed a mini Christmas tableau framed by Stop and Shop. <laughs> Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace, goodwill to all people. The spontaneous act of generous forgiveness and forbearance was surprisingly invigorating. 
Somehow they had managed to open a space for grace in their relationship right there as I held a bag of frozen corn. And it was perfect. A a space opened up inside of me, too. It felt physical, as though my insides were expanding. Now, as you know, I'm normally robed like this and standing inside this splendid sanctuary of marble and mosaics when announcing grace and pardon. Lesson relearned. Any space, any place can have the honor of hosting a most holy occasion. In fact, that seems the essential wisdom of Advent, recognizing that the new thing God has in store isn't relegated to spaces lined with pews. God is rushing in at us everywhere, all of the time, knocking on the doors of hearts and minds that we might be made larger, more capable of. In the words of the old prophet, doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God. Do you remember learning how to read a dial clock? I don't know how this works for kids today. I guess we'll learn with my granddaughter, given that all clocks are kind of electronic now. You learned about the big hand, the little hand, and the second hand, and you learned what o'clock meant and what quarter past and half past the hour, all based on the movements of, a, of hands dissecting a circular clock face. The season of Advent comes around each year to announce what time it is. Writing to his friends in Rome, you heard earlier how Paul said, now is the hour for you to wake from sleep. Advent is wake-up time. Time to wake up to yourself, to see yourself with as much clarity as possible, to take it all in, the good, the bad, and the ugly. No more dancing around the actual content of your life, no more cover-ups and pretense, no more hemming and hawing, no more rationalization, no more costuming and makeup. The day is long past for all of that. Way long past. Of course, if you're like I am, many mornings you just as soon get five, ten minutes, maybe an hour more of sleep. But the alarm is relentless and the hour has come. It's, it's time. The sun is about to dawn and truth will have the day. That's the promise and our calling. It's every human's calling, really. Time to wake up. Now, the truth can be harsh. That's true. There will be birth pangs, no doubt about that. Still, time to wake up and get up. Time to take in the world. Time to see what's really there and what isn't really there. The biblical writers intend their prophetic word as a positive announcement of God's desire that we wake up. In the words of Isaiah we heard earlier, that we walk in the light of the Lord. That we consider what 
God might intend for us, even, did you hear, beating our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. Imagine that, that that's what God intends for us. When St. Augustine was in his late 40s, he wrote about his conversion to Christ around the age of 30. He said he had lived a loose, undisciplined life up to that point, and one day he heard a child singing something about pick up and read. And it turned out he had a copy of some of Paul's letters beside him, which he picked up and the book opened to today's passage from Romans 13, and he read, You know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, well, something clicked with Augustine at that moment. He put a marker in that text, and shortly thereafter he was baptized. And Augustine, as you may know, grew into a theologian of towering significance for the church. Why? He heard it was time to wake up. And so he did. He woke. My stop and shop adventure involved a wake-up moment for mom and dad. I do not know what prompted it. I hadn't expected it. It was unusual. Usual track would be more raging, ending in some awful outcome. It came as a surprise. But there it was, a small moment of grace in which two people grabbed hold of a better way, just in the nick of time. And you know what? It convicted me. In other words, it made me wonder about my own behavior patterns. In this case, my own capacity for sincere apology, forbearance, and forgiveness. <laughs> there it was. It's actually possible. One can actually do that in real time, under real circumstances. Just like that. Right in the grocery store of all places. Like I said, it made me feel bigger inside somehow. Makes me think that maybe, just maybe, at some time in the misty future, if enough folks wake up, swords can be beaten into plows and spears into pruning hooks. Jesus says that we cannot predict the exact day or hour of our enlightenment. That it will come is, friends, I'll tell you, a foregone conclusion. One day we will finally take our wake-up call. Whether we want to or not, it will come. It may come today or tomorrow or the day after that or three decades from now, but it may come only as a result of air rasping out of our lungs for the very last time. But one day, truth will have its way with us for good. And when that day finally arrives, I can tell you from experience with many, many people, 
When that day arrives, many will wonder why they had waited so long. They had been pretending and posturing with life when all along they could have had the real thing. Now, I don't know if the young mom and dad were churchgoers, but I do know that for at least a moment they honored the God of life with their choosing the better way. And, friends, of course, that option, choosing the better way, is available to all of us all of the time. It's kind of breathtaking when you see it full on in the bright light of day. Oh, my God, I can choose a better way. So here's something else that occurs to me. For those with the eyes to see, or as I, as Isaiah might say it, for those walking in the light of the Lord, there's likely more Advent spirit evident while serving the homeless a hot meal or volunteering at our program for young mothers in Washington Heights than, I'll say something dangerous, than going through the prayers of a liturgy. But do not mishear me. Worship like this is important, an essential life component for the spiritually mature. It keeps us clear about who's who and what's what, and if you're like me, you need a constant reminder. I hope to see you next Sunday and the Sunday after that. But at their best, at their best, these hour-long occasions support and inspire the other 167 hours in the week in which we live and move and have our being. And each one of those hours, every single one, is a potential occasion for Advent enlightenment. for justice and mercy, forgiveness and forbearance, for God's grace to break in and shine forth, making all things new. That would be a good day. That would be a very good day.